Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. It's Roger again from Melbourne. And in this podcast, I'll be discussing the all-important topic of getting personal insurance to protect you, your family, and also your assets. It's all well and good when things are going perfectly to plan, but what happens when tragedy strikes? Tragedies are unfortunate as they are, can ruin a person's financial security permanently, so it's important to think about contingency planning. Before I go into this in detail and provide a bit of an overview, I will summarise the previous four podcasts. Podcast 1 was all about power of automation, the power of compounding, doing it forever, starting early, and paying yourself first and I use the 20% rule. Podcast 2 was all about mortgage tips and tricks, which is very important uh, to master. And Podcast 3 was a lighthearted chat about the financial personalities that I pay attention to. Financial education is very, very important, just like any other forms of education. So one of the main reasons I'm doing this is obviously to learn about finance myself, but also to leave a blueprint for my family, my children. So if you're listening out there, kids, make sure you listen to Daddy. Podcast number four, you've paid yourself the 20%. So now what? I talk about the various forms of asset classes which you can invest in and use analogies to explain why you shouldn't be afraid to invest in the stock market because the chances are you're doing it anyway and don't even know about it. So you have the principles and concepts down packed. You're saving money, you've paid off your consumer debts, hopefully not much, and have started investing your pay-yourself money, which is 20% as an average, into a well-diversified asset portfolio. You've also saved up a lot of cash and bought your home and starting to pay that off using the tips and tricks that I talk about in podcast number two, particularly using the concept of offsetting 100% of your mortgage. One of the things I think is really important is to protect that investment protect your family and minimize the impacts of any family tragedies. I'm a doctor and I work in Melbourne and my career is all about treating patients who are sick. They're real or sometimes even dying. I focus heavily on their care, their treatment plans, their treatment goals and more recently I've had to think about the financial impacts it may be having on their lives. It's not something a lot of doctors or nurses think about routinely and it's not something that I thought about routinely. It doesn't even cross our minds, mainly because we're so focused on getting the patient better. A very poignant story has stuck with me when I was doing surgery. I was a surgical registrar at a large tertiary institution in Melbourne. I had a patient who did not attend the post-operative appointment after they had major cancer excision surgery. It was major surgery. It took about a few hours. We contacted the patient, rebooked the appointment, but each time they weren't able to attend. Some patients or some hospitals have this rule that if a patient doesn't attend three times in a row, then they get discharged from the clinic permanently and leave it up to the GP to follow it up. Of course, it's a case-by-case situation. 
Anyhow, to cut a long story short, it turns out the patient did not have proper transport, could not afford taxi fees, so this affected their ability to get to the appointment. They didn't have any friends, didn't have any family, so anyone couldn't have dropped them off. This is something that should have been thought about, obviously, after the cancer surgery, but it got missed. How can this be? How can this happen in this country, Australia, one of the wealthiest in the world with a world-class health system? World-class treating team. We design treatment plans and send medical experts all over the world, and we're looked upon as leaders in the health industry around the world, but yet we have something so simple that could affect the patient in a profound way. So it struck me. It's not just about the treatment plan that defines the success of the care plan. It's not just the surgeon's handiwork. It's not just the oncologist's handiwork. It's not just the nursing staff's handiwork. There has to be systems and processes and policies and procedures in place to make sure every patient has the opportunity to access the best health care we can provide. So insurance is no different, and this is no different to finances. You've done everything right. You've saved, you've invested, utilised the power of compounding, so you don't want to not protect yourself and your family in the event of a tragedy. So there has to be systems in place to minimise the impact of a tragedy. And my podcast, as you already know, is not about specific finances, but more about the systems, the processes, the concepts. It's about a blueprint. We hope tragedies never happen, but they do. So there is no point closing your eyes and ignoring the potential risk. So I will dwell into the types of personal finance which are available, some of the key things you need to think about before signing up to any of these through an insurance planner. I won't be talking about other types of insurance though, such as credit card, loan protection, car, home, building and contents, funeral insurance, etc. This is just about personal insurance. So for those people that are planning a family, thinking about having kids, or have lots of assets and lots of savings but haven't really thought about what they're going to do in the event of a family tragedy, Listen up, I think you'll enjoy this podcast. It goes into in-depth things that you need to think about, and at times, unfortunately, it's a bit morbid, but it's a very important conversation that we have to have. So there are various types of personal insurance. What are they? Number one, life insurance. Now, this is in the event of your death, or you get diagnosed with a terminal illness. There is a lump sum amount which is paid out to your nominated beneficiary. Example, your wife or your lifetime partner. Your children, parents, friends, relatives, you need to choose the beneficiaries you want distributed to. So why you may need life insurance? Why do you need it? Well, do you have dependents? A dependent is someone in your family who doesn't earn an income. So if you die and you're a sole breadwinner of the family, what will your family members do without a steady source of income? How will they pay off all the debts which you may or may not have, or how will they sustain a living for the rest of their lives? Can they maintain the same similar quality of life and standard of living as you're currently having at the moment, except they won't have you to bring in the money? Some of the key questions you need to ask yourself when it comes to life insurance is, how much cover do you need? What is the point of the cover? Is it to make sure your loved ones can live off it for the rest of their lives? Or is it to be used to pay off debts? Or a bit of both, perhaps. This depends a lot on how much income is going to be generated after you die. Sorry guys, like I said, this podcast is a little bit morbid, but it's an important conversation we have to discuss, and we have to discuss all of these issues with your family and loved ones. 
If your partner has a good income, then perhaps your life insurance payout may not need to be too high, especially if you don't have much debts. Do you need to have a medical checkup prior to signing up? This is called the underwriting process. It depends on your age, your risk factors, whether you're a smoker or not, and whether you have any pre-existing illnesses. Your GP should be able to help you with the medical report, and usually the life insurance company will ask for it, and they will contact the GP directly, and they will compensate your GP to fill it out. It's really important, though, for you to alert your GP that this is going to happen. Will the premiums be stepped or level? That is, as you age, if you have a stepped premium, your premiums will increase. But if it's level, it won't. So basically, pay more now and save later on, or pay less now and pay more later. It all depends on your individual circumstances and your budget and preference. Sometimes there are hybrid premiums, which you can discuss with your insurance planner. Perhaps you need a bit of both. CPI indexation. This is really important that you need to ask your financial, um, sorry, insurance planner. I think it's good to have this, but it will cost you more. Suppose you will have cover for a million dollars when you die. Due to inflation, the buying power of that money in 10 years will be lower than what it is today. So today's million dollars will be worth less in 10 years' time. So the CPI indexation means your payout will also increase by inflation every year, so essentially your buying power remains the same. The increase happens automatically every year based on inflation. What are the exclusion criteria? Some life insurance policies don't cover for every death. It's really important you specifically ask what are the exclusion. Example, suicide, accidental death, death due to at-risk activities, drug use or if you have an avid skydiver, for example, and death due to natural disasters or terrorism. These are some of the exclusions I have come across in my research for my own life insurance. Occupational hazards. Now, listen up, doctors. Some life insurance policies exclude hepatitis and HIV and needle stick injuries, which cause a terminal illness or infection. This is really important to check if you have an occupation which is hazardous, which means all nursing, all medical staff, especially people that deal with blood, especially surgeons. Age limits. Usually, the policy expires at age 65 or 70. Need to check this specifically. Are you going to be working until then? And should you buy direct or via an advisor? These are the pros and cons for this. For example, if you're really good at looking into plans and policies, you can do a good job in getting a good deal, but through an advisor, usually free of cost, they may be able to access policies which you don't have access to. They are your advocate, so they may be able to negotiate a better deal. But I still think it's important you extensively research policies yourself before relying on an advisor. As you know, there is a Banking Royal Commission, insurance sales as part of this, so some of the advisors may not have your best interest at heart. So in summary, here are some of the basic principles of getting life insurance, which can also apply to other types of personal insurance, and these are the basic questions you need to think about yourself and ask your insurance provider. How much cover do you need, and what is the main purpose of the cover? Stepped versus level premiums. CPI indexation option, worth it or not? Are there any specific exclusion criteria, especially when it comes to accidental injuries or death? Age limits, when does the policy automatically expire? And is it worthwhile using an advisor or not? Now, the second type of insurance that we need to talk about is total and permanent disability. 
This is when you get an illness or injury or disability which affects your capacity to work permanently. In addition to the principles discussed before when it comes to your life insurance, let's discuss some of the key features you should ask and think about. Remember, this is in addition to the ones already discussed as part of life insurance, so always ask those as well. Is it occupation specific? Here is an example which might resonate really well. If you have cover save for about $100,000 as TPD and you work as a bank officer, part of being a bank officer is to be able to liaise with clients and use the computer. You suffer a catastrophic stroke and you're paralysed to one side of your body but are able to speak and understand people. If you have occupation-specific insurance, it would likely be determined that you can't work as a bank officer. Therefore, the payment can be made out. So you'll get paid the $100,000. That is, as a bank officer, you need to use a computer. And if you're paralysed, you can't use a computer. So you can't work as a bank officer. This is called occupation-specific TPD. But if you didn't have occupation-specific cover, then the insurer might turn around and say, well, you can't work as a bank officer, but maybe you can answer phone calls as part of being a telemarketer. This is a critical question you need to think about. Ask and ensure have covered when signing up to TPD. Now, of course, having occupation-specific insurance might mean that your premiums are a little bit more than usual. There is actually a non-occupational TPD as well, which is basically you're not able to do two out of the five activities of daily living. So having a shower might be one of them. This is perhaps the lowest cover for TPD, and it's not recommended it all depends on your personal situation, how much money you have already saved up, what your partner's income source is, and whether you need much money for TPD or not. Remember, TPD cover only covers for something which will remain throughout a person's life. TPD is different to trauma or critical illness cover or income protection insurance. The key to TPD is that the person must be permanently unable to work, whether in their occupation or any occupation, or do two out of five activities of daily living, depending on the option you've selected. It's also noteworthy to understand that TPD is not tax claimable, so you can't deduct the premiums, similar to life insurance, which is also not deductible. The third type of insurance I'll discuss briefly is income protection. Income protection, or salary continuance, as it may be referred to in some insurance policies, is basically income being paid to you while you're off your job due to illness, this is not when you get made redundant or lose your job, although some policies have this option called premium waiver for involuntary unemployment feature, but this needs to be purchased as an add-on. It's really important to understand this, so income protection is not if you lose your job, it's if you get sick and you can't work. This is only if you can't work due to an illness. The income that comes in works like a salary. You use it to pay the expenses for your family, your debt obligations, etc. And this income is taxable, just like your usual income from your work. In addition to all the questions I've talked about before, stepped versus level versus hybrid, age limits, exclusion criteria, etc., you need to understand some specific clauses about this type of insurance. You can't get cover for more than 75% of your usual income, that is your usual gross earnings. Does the cover apply if you get sick outside of work? Most policies cover this, but it's important to ask. In Australia, workplace injuries are covered via work cover insurance policies, and this is a whole different world. So, if you have income protection and they say, I'm sorry, if you get sick outside of work, we're not going to cover you, well, what's the point? Because if you get injured at work, you're covered by work insurance, 
And if you're working in a profession that's quite dangerous, and I don't know about you getting sick while being at work, I mean, that's obviously quite a dangerous profession. So you need to check all these facts. Do you get paid super as part of the income protection policy? In Australia, employers are obliged to pay the employee super on top of their usual income. This is not obligatory when it comes to income protection. You need to specify sign-up for super continuous policy, and you can set the percentage or fixed amount which is automatically paid into your super. In other words, if you're employed, your super is automatic, but in income protection, you need to add that as an option. When you get sick, you need to think about other things apart from loss of income. These are rehab costs, income issues, do you have other sources of income or emergency funds to cover for some losses during your illness, carer costs, travel aids, doctor's appointments, etc., business cover, if you run a business, who's going to do this? How's it going to affect your business income? Who's going to run your business when you're sick? Debt or credit, you could be forced to take on debt if your income protection is not enough to cover your debt obligations, personal home, investment homes and consumer debts, if you have them. I stay away from consumer debt as much as possible. Lifestyle expenses, utilities, grocery bills, education fees, especially if you have children, Age limit, does it expire at 65 or 70? Most policies would. Now, these are all the other things that you need to think about apart from just loss of income. So you need to have enough income to cover all of these other expenses or at least have some way of paying them, whether via the income protection insurance or maybe your partner is working, so there's additional income there. Now, premiums for income tax uh, sorry, income uh, uh, protection insurance are tax deductible. This is really important, whereas TPD, trauma, critical illness, uh, illness insurance, life insurance policies are not tax deductible. There are a range of factors which affect income protection, smoking, lifestyle factors, pre-existing illnesses, occupation, age, gender, and at-risk behaviours, very similar to TPD and life insurance. So you need to think about all that when signing up for the income protection policy. An income protection policy, guys, it's not cheap. It's quite expensive, so you need to make sure, you know, stay healthy, don't smoke, make sure you're not overweight, exercise regularly, get your cholesterol down, get your blood pressure down. All of these makes a huge difference in terms of your income protection policy premiums, and um, therefore it makes it, you know, relatively affordable. So there are different types of income protection policies. Um, so the three main ones really are agreed value, uh, guaranteed agreed value, which is very similar, or indemnity value. So what are these? And let's go into a bit more detail. Agreed value or guaranteed agreed value means you fix the amount that is paid, and it depends on what you earn at the time you take out the policy. Indemnity value, some insurance will say, well, We'll take into account the last 12 months of income, or perhaps even the best income over the last three years. These nitty-gritties you need to ask. So if you really want good income protection insurance, it kind of makes sense to sort of say, well, take out the best income in the last three years, but of course this might end up costing you a lot of money in terms of premiums, whereas other income insurance might be just in the last 12 months. So you need to ask that specifically with your insurance agent or the person or the company that you're dealing with. Now, I can think about a you know, potential flaw in this if you just choose the 12 months. Suppose um, you, know, you haven't worked in the last 12 months, or suppose you've lost your job and you haven't really been able to find a job, and then you get sick. If you have the option where you only get paid whatever you got paid the last 12 months, well, the last 12 months might just be Centrelink payments or actually nothing. 
So the insurance company are well within their rights to turn around and say, well, you haven't really earned an income in the last 12 months. I'm sorry, that's your income protection. So I think it's always worthwhile to think about extending the um, period uh, in which the income protection is calculated in terms of your payout. And I sort of feel the last three years would be most appropriate. But of course, if you choose that option, then you're going to pay a little bit more in terms of your premiums. Now, the more income protection you need, the more expensive it becomes. Income protection is probably the most expensive of all the policies because it's the most likely policy which will become active in your life. In other words, you're more likely to get sick rather than die from it. Now, the fourth type of insurance cover um, is called trauma or critical illness cover, depending on which insurance um, company that you deal with. They have different names. Uh, Some insurance companies also call it recovery insurance. Um, And basically, it's when you get paid a set benefit based on a particular diagnosis, such as cancer, heart attack, or stroke. They have a list of maybe 20 or 30 diagnoses, you know, common illnesses that strikes Australians. Trauma cover is not included as part of your super, so it's worthwhile considering it as a standalone policy. Um, It's terrible to think you might end up with a serious illness, guys, but let's look at the statistics in Australia for serious illnesses, particularly in cancer. And we're in July 2018 when I'm doing this podcast. So, so far this year, the stats are very clear. 138,321 patients, new diagnoses of cancers. The top cancers in Australia in 2017 was breast, colorectal, prostate, melanoma, and lung. And the risk of breast cancer by the age of 85 in women in Australia is one in eight. So I think trauma and critical insurance cover is really important, perhaps more important than other types of personal insurance. Now, of course, you need to ask all the same questions that we've talked about, stepped versus level versus premium, age limits, exclusion criteria, etc., etc. Now, that kind of sums up the types of personal insurances, um, you know, a brief overview of the four different types and some of the questions you should ask and think about when considering such insurance policies. The last concept or question which you need to be acutely aware of is standalone policies versus combined policies. A lot of the time when you have a meeting with your insurance broker or from the insurance company, They will try and, of course, you know, sell you multiple policies. And, of course, you're well within your rights to choose multiple policies. And it's really important that you haggle for a good price. And that means, hey, why don't you give me a combination discount? You know, my start off with these discounts is between 10 and 25%. But they sometimes don't tell you that some of these policies are combined versus standalone. So let's use an example to highlight this feature. You have $1 million in life insurance. You have $100,000 in TPD and $100,000 in trauma or critical illness cover. If you claim either a TPD or a trauma cover, do you want it to come off your life insurance? For example, your new life insurance payout becomes $900,000. Or do you want your life insurance to be untouched? So if you claim $100,000 in TPD or trauma cover, then the insurance may turn around and say, well, We need to deduct this $100,000 because we've already paid you um, from your life insurance of a million dollars. You can do that if you want to, and that's called a combination policy. Um, But if you say, no, I don't want my life insurance to be touched irrespective of what I claim in my TPD or trauma, then you can ask for a standalone policy. And of course, standalone policies um, cost a little bit more than interlinked policies. 
Now, we've got a huge area in this podcast, so I just want to um, uh, perhaps uh, talk a little bit about uh, how important it is for you to haggle that combination um, uh, discount. So, you know, if you're going with an insurance um, agent or, or a company and you're getting life, you're getting income protection, you're getting trauma, you're getting TPD, and, you know, that's four policies combined in one. And, of course, you're probably getting all that for your partner as well. That's eight policies, and you probably got your parents or your brothers or sisters, you know, trying to get a great deal. I think the buying power of all of those policies is means that you're eligible for a discount. You really should ask for one, and the minimum that I ask for is 10 to 25%. So in summary, you've paid yourself 20%. You've diversified your income. You've talked. We've talked about income per unit time. You've diversified your investments. You've controlled your consumer debt, hopefully none. And now you're required to protect your assets. More importantly, your family. So personal insurance is absolutely paramount. Having worked in the medical industry, I deal with illness and injuries and tragedies quite a lot. And it's something that's made me think, how can I protect myself, my family and my assets in the unlikely event of an illness or injury or family tragedy? Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, you can post them in the comment section of this podcast app called castbox.fm. I've officially moved over from SoundCloud uh, to castbox.fm because I just find the podcast um, application very easy to use. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, This is Raja signing off from Melbourne. Until next time, pay yourself first and protect yourself and your family first as well. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.